Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Park Scope Unprofessional Podcast Hour. This is the musical episode. Uh-oh. My name is Joe. Joining me on this rather harmonious night or day, depending on when you're listening to this, is Jeff. Jeff, how are you doing? I'm doing great. It's it's great that we're assuming that Uh-oh. our listeners' day are harmonious. Oh, no. Uh-oh. Hold on. I can't hear you. Hold on. You're probably saying something. Uh, can you hear me? All right. I can hear you now. Okay. Okay. So here's the problem. I had my headphones on when uh, with Bluetooth, and then when I switched over to recording, the output was the standard output and not Bluetooth. So it was just me talking and then no. nothing. And I'm like, oh, no. So sorry. Did I cut you off with a musical... No, I made I made several clever comments. It's too bad nobody's gonna oh, hear it. Yeah, yeah. No, I think everyone's gonna hear it. I just didn't hear it. So okay, <laughs> um, that's the difference. Uh, yeah, no. So to finish my last point, I'm I'm glad that we're assuming that all our listeners' days, regardless of when they are, are harmonious. I yes. think that's very optimistic of you. Thank you. Uh, yes, harmonious, not harmonious, not the new at night- nighttime Epcot show. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> So, yes, uh, good times, good times. So uh, we got some fun stuff to discuss today. We got some trip reports. We got some pontificating. And we got some rumors. So let's start off with the rumors real quick. Um, I'm expecting this to drop relatively soon or, if not, to be pretty much canceled very soon. Um, Over the past about, I would say, week, um, yeah, about the past week, there's been more and more of a drumbeat behind some sort of daytime Halloween event at Universal Orlando. Uh, obviously, for everyone who knows, Halloween Horror Nights 30 or Halloween Horror Nights uh, 2020 was canceled this year. Uh, with the emphasis being on Halloween Horror Nights 2020 being a after-hours hard-ticket event. So that's been canceled. Um... There's plenty of reasons why it was canceled. You can listen to our episode about that. Um, but uh, about the past week, we started hearing... Th- uh, so so when it was canceled, one of the things I heard was that Universal kept on the table an idea of doing a daytime event using the houses in some way. Um, which houses, what that would entail, you know, just kind of like a, hey, it could happen, may not happen, who knows... You know, we got it there. You know, kind of. You kind of. You know, one one of those things where it's sort of like, yeah, sure, we got we got the ground beef, but I don't know if we're making burgers or you know whatever, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Then, this past week, the drum beat started and kept going for a while, um, to the point where I believe Wednesday, Tuesday or Wednesday, I want to say Wednesday, we wrote an article um, because there was enough fire around this. Um, about a daytime Halloween event at Universal Orlando. Um, now, this is where things get real weird and interesting. First of, first and foremost, Halloween Horror Nights is still canceled. Uh, <laughs> so it don't don't worry about that. Um, what we like, what we jokingly referred to it on the Park Scope chat is <clears throat> is Fall Fright Days. So. Um, the idea behind this is that if my understanding of how the event is right now, now this can change, this may not happen exactly as I say, whatever, is that from 
the whole day that Universal Studios Florida is open, there will be an option and an additional add-on experience for guests to book beforehand or at the park to go through two houses a day. And these two houses will be per week. So they will. So if you go Friday and Saturday, it'll be the same two houses. If you go, you know, one Friday and then you go the Friday the week after, it may be a different house. Um, different houses. I'm not sure yet. And the idea is that they will upcharge you with a a pretty much a, an alone walkthrough of these houses, and um, the houses will be fully operational except that. They will be using the COVID measures instituted before they canceled Halloween Horror Nights. So think plexiglass, think a few less actors, think of maybe a few dummies here and there. You may get attacked by Anthony Fauci. Exactly, exactly. Just, yeah, he'll just come out and be like, 2021 vaccine. Um, (laughs) Watch out for Deborah Burks with a chainsaw. (laughs) Yes, yeah, yeah, exactly. Deborah Burks with a chainsaw is now our uh, show title. So there we go, everyone. Uh, (laughs) Spoiler alert for the first house. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Yeah. Deborah Um, Burks with a chainsaw. Yeah, so the idea is then, is so imagine like the idea behind it being that um, I'm going, uh, not this weekend, but next weekend. Um, if they do this on the 19th, so reportedly the first night may be the 18th or the 19th of September. Not quite sure. It's kind of up in the air where they're trying to figure it out. Um, this is coming together literally this week. <laughs> so m- pay that mind. Um, yeah, it's, already, it's already the 10th. Yeah, exactly. So the idea behind this would be that I, uh, one person, uh, like say, I would go online to the Universal Store and I would um, go. Uh, currently, their ticketing system is all based on dates. So what you do is you go and book basically a date and time, or maybe just a date, and then when you come in, you get a rough time. You know what I mean? Like you would with virtual tool, virtual line, or something like that. I'm not quite sure, but. You would somehow pre-register and then show up and then get your time or whatever to do this event. And you would do two Halloween Horror Nights houses. And my thought, my speculation would be in order to jack up the price maybe a little bit more, like offer like a free snack or drink. You know what I mean? So it would be... Well, come to the event. It's twenty dollars for one house, thirty for for two, and you get a drink or a snack. You so mean, it's kind of nineteen ninety nine and twenty nine ninety nine. Exactly, that's exactly what I mean. And and no discounts for annual pass holders. Blah blah blah. Whatever, whatever. And the idea behind that is, well, first of all, they sold a bunch of these. Have you have you heard about these uh, single day tickets they sold, Jeff? The the ones you mean that are good for the rest of the year? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Those. I, I did hear about that. <laughs> yeah, so it seems like they utterly slammed the parks with those, which, hey, you got butts and seats, I guess, and they're spending money. But, you know, if you want to start making more money from um, operations and from turnstiles, an upcharge event's a great way to do that. So that would convert a lot of these people who spent $160, $170 on these tickets to then invest maybe 30, 40, 60 more dollars in going through some Halloween Horror Nights houses that are still standing. 
Um, so for the Halloween Horror Nights houses, mine, I've heard mixed things about which ones are still standing, which ones are torn down. Um, right now, it sounds like they're all still standing. Hmm. Um, except for ones that were not completed yet. And my understanding is the ones that were not completed were the Billie Eilish house, which was in Shrek. That one was, that one, was one of the last ones to be completed. Um, so that's just kind of how that's going. Um, so what, so, so the idea would be you would either book a time beforehand or you'd book a day and just, you would show up and you'd get, you know, whatever time is assigned to you, you know, I don't know what that means or anything. And then you would then go through two houses. Um, the, the, what, what would, when you would go through the houses, it would probably be, you know, a dispatch every two minutes. So it would literally be you walking through the house alone or with the group you're with. Um, Mm -hmm. And then... I have to assume it's with your party. Yeah, with with whatever size party you show up with. Yeah. Um, And then then you're done with that house. Hmm. You can't do it again. And then you just go to the second house. And then you just do that. And then oh, I'm having I'm having terrible horrible nightmare flashbacks of the the beer tent at Kennywood with the <laughs> security guard who's like who punches holes in your wristband. Yeah. Like, you have two more holes left. You you've been here before, boy. <laughs> Give me your ID. <laughs> yeah. Um so that's m- what I'm thinking it could be. Um, my idea of adding like a cheap add-on, like so, like a drink, like a, a, a one of those pre-mixed like drinks or a snack, probably costs them like two dollars to make, but they sell them for seven. Does uh, does pumpkin juice and fire whiskey count as a pre-made drink? Uh, no, but oh. what, what I'm suggesting is like as a value add to make it seem like a little bit better by offering it. People kind of go, oh well. It seems nicer if they include this. But, you know, I don't know if they'll do it. Who knows? Yeah, you can do the Disney thing. Give them a cupcake. Yeah. <laughs> Here's your Horror Nights cupcake. Like, yeah. It's it's 60 bucks, but you get a cupcake. Yeah. Thanks, um, Disney. I, I don't think it'll be – yeah. So that's my understanding. So um, I understand where I am right now is that the Brides of Frank um, – sorry, not the Brides of Frankenstein. It's – um. I think it's, um, I forget the exact title. Anyway, it's the house with, um, the Bride of Frankenstein versus the Bride of, the Brides of Dracula. And it's basically this, like, battle house, sort of like, um, what 25 was with Freddy versus Jason. (laughs) Um, The the, the Brides of Dracula have a number advantage. That's true. They can't shriek like the Bride of Frankenstein, though. So right, I guess she has the sonic scream or whatever. Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, so that's the one house. The other is uh, Tooth Fairy House, which is like this weird. <laughs> so Tooth Fairy la- was supposed to be last year, before they turned it into Us. Mm-hmm. And the- I forget the exact name of the house, but it's basically demonic Tooth Fairy thing. Yeah. And um, slash, you know, children's fables slash, you know, Easter Bunny. Yeah, I, I don't really know where you would go with that. I mean, yeah. the only place I can think of is like a really gruesome, like, like 
like popped teeth everywhere and like pliers and just like really like rusty dental I, equipment. I I I I shudder to think what yeah, it could be. I don't really know. Like um, like it's an interesting first first line of a concept, but then it's like, wait a minute, what's room two? Yeah. <laughs> so there's that, and then um, those are the two, those two houses. I th- I believe will be the first two houses available. Um, while. Uh, <laughs> Scare actors have been NDA'd. Uh, they spill like nobody's business. So, reportedly, they, those houses have been partially cast, if not fully cast already, for September 19th or 18th and the 19th. Jeez. Um, and, and that really next week. Yeah, and it may be September 20th also, if I'm taking a guess. Um, uh,. And then the idea would then be either you do that house for, like, maybe three or four weeks, and then you switch to another two houses three to four weeks, mm-hmm. um, with the other two houses being the icons of Halloween Horror Nights. But now, Jeff, you'll appreciate this. Uh, rumor has it is that it's um, it comes back to Halloween Horror Nights 20 with the lantern and fear. With the icons being, you know, contained and caged in the lantern. Uh, okay. Okay, so like, yeah, Halloween Horror Nights 30 is bringing back fear, I guess. Interesting. <laughs> um, Jack's still the icon, but it would be, that would have been the idea. And then mm-hmm. the other house uh, be- would be Beetlejuice. Mm-hmm. With all, because they have all the merch right now. So you would yeah. alternate between... Um, Tooth Fairy and Brides and Beetlejuice and Icons. Beetle, um, Beetlejuice is such a perfect, uh, perfect house in terms of like concept. Mm-hmm. Just like you can't go wrong. Like there's a million things you can do. You could change it every year if you wanted to, but like the be- like a Beetlejuice house is perfect. Like you could do anything. Yeah. So that's the concept right now. Um, now they're they're still talking about it. Uh, I I have no idea if it's even gotten final final approval, anything like that. But man, there is so much smoke and people are freaking out. Mm-hmm. There's there's a fire, and I don't know if that fire means it's been put out already or if it's going to be um let let uh to like do what it needs to do. But yeah, something's going on right now, and. It's super exciting and interesting, and it's not Halloween Horror Nights at all. Um, but uh, I think it'll be something interesting and something that'll get people employed in the Orlando area and uh, get locals involved in spending money. Well, yeah, I'm glad they're trying to do something. I mean, yeah. at least they're, at least they're keeping their minds going and and you know talking to themselves and saying, "Hey, I know we can't have a full." Horror nights, but what can we do to to help salvage this? Yeah. So I applaud them for that. Yeah, and I can just imagine like they'll sell out of this. Like they'll sell it for like Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, and immediately sell out <laughs> or something. And they're like, "Oh, okay, we got yeah, right. it'll we, like, we it'll got be you." Like the first it'll be like the first year of the Mickey's Halloween party at DCA. Yeah. Where it's just like <laughs> tickets are ten dollars. Yeah. Tickets were ten dollars. Exactly. You get the idea. Um, so, yeah. 
I don't, I, I don't, I, I don't know what's going on. So hopefully we hear an announcement soon because it's in It'll a be week. Better because <laughs> the houses are going to open. <laughs> yeah. So um, yeah, that would be a thing where it. And also, uh, uh, I, I think I forgot to mention this before, but it is a locals focused event. Um, obviously, this is not Halloween Horror Nights at all. There's no scare zones. There's no atmosphere. There's no archway. There's no music. There, you know, any of that stuff. So, oh, Joe, you there? Yeah, I'm here. Can you hear me? Can you hear me, Joe? Yes. Oh no. Can you hear me? Can you hear me? Uh. Uh oh. Beeps. I hear you now. Can you hear me now? You were cutting in and out. Yes. Okay. You can hear me. Good. Well, that was weird. Yes. Well, we're keeping that in. Screw it. Huh. Yeah. It's raw footage, kids. Yeah. This isn't keep... what you find on uh, CNBC. No, exactly. Well, well, we're keeping this in. I'm trying to see like if there's anything like backing up. There's nothing backing up in my background. That's weird. Because I have, I have a, ba- black, a back blaze account. And like usually like it'll back up in the background mm. and scripts. No, not doing that at all. Weird. Really weird. Alrighty. Weird. So, Halloween Horror Nights. Or f- Fall Fright Days. Who knows? Uh, hopefully we hear something <laughs> soon about it. Because, man, um, I'll be down there the uh, 16th through the 21st. And uh, if it's available Saturday and Sunday, I will be going Saturday and Sunday. I'll buy sure. it twice. Um so, Jeff, I was just talking to Andrew today. Talking about a second. Uh, Andrew Hyde? Uh, no, our Andrew. Oh, uh, my cousin Andrew. Cousin Andrew, yes. Oh, okay. And um, I was talking to him. Actually, it was yesterday and today. And mm-hmm. and he's like, I'm like, hey, did you like – because we were talking about um, – they're going down Saturday. Um, mm-hmm. and, and they were talking about getting a hotel room at Universal for – um, staying there and doing express pass. And I'm like, hey, did you book a hotel? He's like, oh, yeah, sure, I did. And I'm like, okay, cool. He's like, can't wait to stay at Cabana Bay. And I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> Cabana Bay doesn't have express pass. So No. I he said Royal Pacific. Yeah. Ex- and we are very, very specific about that. Exactly. Exactly. So the past day or two, I've been uh, looking around, and then I, I was on the Universal Orlando website, and I found I was just like dicking around, and I went to the AP site, hotels, whatever, blah blah. And I see one hotel room available at Royal Pacific. I'm like, oh! and I, I click through, and it's an annual pass holder rate for the King Suite. Oh God, three hundred three hundred twenty bucks. Which King Suite? If you price it out with the, um, if you price it out with the uh, um, Express Pass. It's a mm-hmm. little a little bit more than if you bought two express passes by themselves. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that <laughs> Royal Pacific just continues, especially during the off-season, just continues to be just a ridiculously good deal. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I hope that Universal doesn't realize that. <laughs> um, if, if, they, if, if they bought the hotel room when we were hanging out, they would have gotten a standard room for $189. Yeah. Which is like less than two express passes. It's it's a little over one express pass. So yes. Yeah. Um. So yeah. Uh, uh, uh. Unfortunately, our Andrew did not book it quick enough. Hmm. But we are continually updating and refreshing and making sure 
that hotels are available under under that annual pass holder rate. Yes, if, if if anyone has a has a reservation for Royal Pacific this weekend and are not intending to use it, can you do us a favor and please cancel your reservation as soon as possible so that we can grab it? Yeah, thank gra- you for listening. Yeah, let, give us a heads up and we'll we'll yes. make sure we're all good. Also, thank you for listening. Please subscribe. Thank you, Patreon. At just kidding. Anyways, um, mm-hmm. let's see. Any more news? That's about it on news. I was. I was using that mostly as a segue because All right. we well, bef- had yes. a trip. Before we, before we go into trip reports, let's yes. give everyone a teaser on what we'll be pontificating on after said trip reports. Okay. Um, so I issued a challenge to Joe earlier today, and I'm going to issue a challenge to everyone listening as well. Um, as a theme park slash amusement park fan, mm-hmm. I love – theming on roller coasters. Uh, we went to Cedar Point and Kings Island over the weekend, and we did, you know, Mystic Timbers, we did uh, Steel Vengeance, we did Banshee, all these, and Orion, all these rides that have a good amount of theming to them. And I do love, I do love me some theming. However, I am also a responsible business person in my Bruce Wayne half of my life, <laughs> and it occurred to me while I was while we were in the parks over the weekend and I was riding Orion and and watching the this pre-show video how much value are they actually getting out of this so my challenge is I would say that if you're an amusement park not, not a theme park so anyone but Disney Universal Bush or SeaWorld I would say that it's questionable that more theming is actually a good value for the theme park and mm-hmm. is actually worth the extra expense. So that's my challenge to everyone listening. And that's what we're going to talk about after our trip report uh, as a little teaser so that you can stay on listening to us. Uh, is is more theming on amusement park roller coasters actually worth it from a business perspective? So a sneak preview. But now let's go to the weather. Yes. I mean trip reports. To the trip report. So um, we, uh, Jeff and I, and Cousin Andrew, for part of it, um, did a trip report. Uh, Not a trip report. We did a trip to two of the big uh, Ohio amusement parks, uh, Kings Island and Cedar Point. Um, It's it's been a weird, weird year overall. Usually this trip is way earlier on the year, but this year we push it out to Labor Day. Yeah, usually and, we do it Memorial Day. Yeah, and yeah. now we're doing it now, and well, we experienced a lot of weird stuff. So, yes. and this is this is your first this is your first park trip outside of Kennywood this year. Yes, right. Um, um, besides going to Universal in early, early, early January. Um, this is my we'll, first. We'll say, we'll say post COVID. Yeah, yeah, my first post COVID parks trips so yeah right um so i guess we'll just start with uh king's island which was the i think everyone or, will agree or do you want to start with who farted oh <laughs> <laughs> yeah so so joe lives in pittsburgh i live in well my parents live in ohio so uh we were in cleveland area so the both of us were driving to king's island in near cincinnati 
Uh, so we decided to meet up in Columbus halfway between the two of us and have dinner. Um, so uh, one of Joe's favoriteest places in Columbus is a very solid and, you know, very high quality, uh, dare I say, hipster place called Who Farted? G- gastropub. Gastropub. Yes, that's well, that's the term the kids like to use. So we'll use gastropub. Gastropub. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, uh, it's as as you as you can tell by the name, it's it's a very you know <laughs> serious. <laughs> yes, yeah, it's a very very serious button down, uh, you know, uh, candlelight on the tables and uh, you know, <laughs> maitre, maitre d, the sommelier, they they all walk around with their arms right. up with a towel over it. <laughs> yes. No, no, no. Of course, this is this is a very uh, very loud, very. <laughs> A very hipster sort of brewery. Uh, Jeff, what were you watching he, on TV in front of us? So, so yeah, they have they have a wall of VHS tapes and DVDs, um, and they will, you know, every two hours they will pop in a new VHS or DVD. And we were so lucky that as we got seated at the bar, uh, what was playing on the uh, DVD but WrestleMania three. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, WrestleMania three is the correct answer for anyone who got that. You get a hundred points, uh, which is the uh, I, we've learned the Hulk Hogan versus Andre the Giant WrestleMania, mm-hmm. which I'm sure was an absolute barn burner. Unfortunately, we did not make it that far because apparently WrestleMania is like five and a half hours long. Um, so, so we were watching WrestleMania for the entirety of our dinner, uh, and still had some left over cause we left before we got to see Andre the giant or Hulk Hogan, but we did see, uh, a very large man with a parrot. We saw a very large man who was an Elvis impersonator hit someone over the head with a guitar. Mm-hmm. We saw, we saw someone wearing a kilt get attacked by a man who had a crutch and then when he attacked this other guy with the crutch, he didn't need the crutch anymore. He just kept attacking him with a cast that apparently he didn't need. Um, we saw a man get attacked with coconuts. We saw Macho Man Randy Savage, which was always a pleasure. Uh, we saw George the Animal Steel, who, if you are a movie fan and not a wrestling fan, George the Animal Steel was the very large monster man from the movie Ed Wood. The Tim Burton, Johnny Depp movie, Ed Wood. The fantastic um, yes. movie. It's really, so, truly fantastic. George the Animal Steel was was the partner of the guy who was fighting Macho Man Savage and was also trying to steal Macho Man's wife or girlfriend. We did not have sound or closed caption, so we're not sure which. We're but not sure uh, what was going what, on at all. Yes. Let me just say that uh, watching WrestleMania without sound or captions is a, is a, just a great way to spend five and a half hours. <laughs> um, we had we had a couple great a uh, couple great beers, which Joe is a big favorite of their Conky Dong beer. Mm-hmm. They had their um, cowboy Conky Dong. Oh yes, indeed. Um, <laughs> and yes, uh, unfortunately, they were out of their famous buttermilk fried chicken. Which, uh, uh, which I was going to have for the first time. Unfortunately, they ran out. So uh, Joe had a pretty amazing uh, uh, Mexican-style walleye. Yeah, fried walleye. 
fried walleye, which was covered in salsa and pico and uh, uh, guac. Yes. And and it was it was quite delicious. Um, and I had one of their specialty burgers, which I'm always in the mood for a good burger. And this was, in fact, a good burger. So I was very happy about that. Um, and if you're in the Columbus area, we very highly recommend Who Farted as the brewery of choice as you're passing through or visiting. Yeah. Who Farted Kitchen. Great, great stuff. Can't yes, recommend make sure enough. you go to the kitchen, not to the brewery. Yeah. Brewery does the not kitchen. have food. Yes. The, <laughs> the kitchen is the one that actually serves food. Um, so from there, we made our way to Mason, Ohio, the, the hometown of Kings Island. Mm-hmm. Um, Joe found a fantastic rate at a what I have to assume is a very new residence inn um, across the street, which is the which is Hotel Alley in the Kings Island area. Um, I always wanted to stay at a hotel that was next to an Outback Steakhouse, so I got to live one of my bucket list items. <laughs> Um, the residence inn, if you're going, if you're visiting Kings Island and you can get a good rate at this residence inn, highly recommend it because the, the rooms are gigantic. Um, they're, they're pretty much, you know, suites with double beds or a king bed and a pullout couch and a kitchen. Um, so, and it comes with a, a, a packed breakfast, obviously can't, can't have a hot breakfast, uh, as you know for obvious reasons, but we were given a very nice brown bag breakfast that had a very large blueberry muffin, a very tasty but m- microwavable sausage and <laughs> yeah, that, that, yeah, That's a good way to put cold, yes. <laughs> right. Uh, as well as a granola bar and an apple um, and a bottle of water. Um, so it was a really solid, uh, way to, you know, not, not get awkward with, with COVID and cancel breakfast when one of your main, one of your main advertisements is the breakfast in the morning. (laughs) Yeah. It was very, very creative, uh, and effective way to do that. And plus they have, they still have the coffee in the lobby, so you can still get your coffee. Um, and then, yeah, we made our way to the park, which, (laughs) Starting from minute one, we knew it was going to be an interesting couple days. Yeah, so we got to the park an hour before open. Right. Opening was at 11, and we got, we got there at 10. Uh, and when we, when we arrived at 10, we saw that the gate was closed. And I don't mean the, I don't mean the parking stands, like the, the toll booths. I mean like the actual gate that leads to the road that goes to the parking booths. Uh, they, for whatever reason, had everyone wait spilling out into the main road rather than letting them go to the parking booths and just having the parking booths be closed. They instead had the gate closed at the entrance to the parking lot and had everyone, and I mean everyone, spill into the street and back up the left-hand turn lane uh, from what seems to be Allentown, Pennsylvania. <laughs> so that was really awkward. And, and literally every five minutes that went by, Joe and I were like, when are they going to open this park? Because it got to be 10 o'clock, 10.05, 10.15. Park opening's at 11. So we're like, mm, We're looking behind us. And the, the, like yeah. there's cars stretched down 
the whole entire road in the turn lane and out of the turn lane and down the left-hand lane, you know, just going forever. Like, you couldn't see it anymore. Yeah, and uh, the only thing that we can think of was a good reason to do this was if if they let everyone into the parking lot at 1045 and the the entrance gates were already open so that nobody congregated uh, against social distancing rules at the main entrance. That turned out to be the case, so credit where credit is due on that. However, I still am kind of... It, I, I'm kind of questioning the the purpose of just not letting people drive up to the parking booth with the gate down and just having them sit there for a half hour. I'm pretty sure they also um, they uh, were doing this. I, I think they opened the gates at 11:30, right? 10:30. 10:30. Yeah, sorry, 10:30. So they yes. Did, so they did the, that at least. Yeah, and the the and by the time we parked, the main entrance was open. Um, which is, it, you know, it's, it's, it's an interesting way to do it so that people don't congregate at the main entrance. Um, but again, it's, it's weird that they didn't just let people go to the parking booths. Anyway, enough about parking booths. Parking booths. Yes. Um, so to, to further illustrate the point that we had a weird couple days, we immediately entered the park and got rickrolled. Yeah. <laughs> no joke. Uh... So the, the International Street Music Loop at Kings Island, International Street, for those of you who don't know, is the Kings Island version of Main Street uh, that leads up to the Eiffel Tower icon in the middle of the park. The International Street Music Loop uh, had an orchestral version. Never going to give you up. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, let you down. like full orchestra, <laughs> grandiose orchestra, like, treatment. Yeah. Seriously, like like big band, like orchestra t- treatment. Like stri- um, stri- here's the string section. Here's yeah. the here's the drums. Here's the horn section. <laughs> so, <laughs> an ominous way to introduce. <laughs> it's like welcome to King's Island. Never gonna give you up. Never gonna let you down. Uh, no singing though, thankfully. Uh, so it we only got rickrolled subliminally. Um. So, so that was an interesting start to the day. But then, of course, <clears throat> having been to Kings Island several times, the two of us, our, our main goal of the day was to go straight like an arrow to Orion mm-hmm. and do it as many times as humanly possible before uh, the line got long. Um, we were surprised at how few of the people at the main entrance actually went to Orion. Not sure exactly where else they were going, um, but I saw a lot of people heading the other, the opposite direction from where Orion was, from the main entrance. So more power to them, um, but you know, more for us. And we got to we got to ride Orion twice, once in the back and once in the front row, which was a fantastic experience. Minimal weight too. Yes, without without a much of a weight. Um, by the time we got off the second time, the wait was a little bit longer. Um, so, it, so, and it was it wasn't even eleven o'clock yet. Uh, we had gone on Orion twice and basically got our admissions worth, um, and it was still before park opening. So we felt we were in a good place. Mm-hmm. Um, so after that, you know, we we thought to ourselves, okay, what is you know what are our next priorities? 
And oh, actually, let's 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 start by saying uh, that the uh, Orion Q area is very nice. Um, the loading is the, uh, the the loading station is very nice as well. Um, so what they did for those of you who might not be aware is Orion replaced Firehawk behind Flight of Fear. Anyone who's also a King's Dominion fan will know what Flight of Fear is. Um, mm -hmm. Flight of Fear is a UFO-themed indoor roller coaster. We'll leave it at that. So what they did with Orion was, even though it's an outdoor B&M Giga, they still themed it to the same you know, UFO space idea that Flight of Fear is themed to. So that means that the, the marquee area or the greeter area has like, uh, like heat scanners, like you see at, uh, what would be an example? Uh, the updated Star Tours. Test Track. The, and Test Track, yeah, has the heat scanners um, that ap apparently, I don't, I don't know what they were doing. Uh, Joe and I could only know that what they weren't doing was checking your temperature for COVID. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> because at the front gate, they had the, the handheld devices, so they were not using the Orion heat scanners for that. Um, and then in the, th there was a lot of outdoor queue, but they did have a sort of a main room that if, if anyone has been to Universal Studios, Hollywood or Orlando, uh, the, the tone of this large room was very much like the Transformers queue. Um, it was very, uh, sort of industrial, a lot of, you know, futuristic sort of blue lighting with a lot of, you know, schematics on the on the wall in display cases, uh, things like that. Ostensibly, it is a it is a preparation room for the quote unquote staff who is quote unquote getting you ready for space. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of kitsch on the walls. There's there's I was very impressed with the kind of artwork that the the creative team came up with. Um, they had, they had little cards, little artworks, little designer artworks of all the attractions that were, that have been located in the immediate Orion area at Kings Island over the past 40 years. Yeah. Which was, which was a very nice touch. It was a little odd because some of the rides like the rotor <laughs> did not fit the theme at all. Um, a lot of the rides did though, like the, uh, uh, oh God, what was the sky attraction? The, the spinny little sky attraction. Oh, I don't remember. Uh, well actually, yeah. no, wait, hold on. I, I took that photo, so I'll, I'll find out right now. Yeah, they yeah, have, so, and they had them like, in the like load area. Wasn't it flat sky flight or something like that? Well, well, they had them in the load area and it was like this really cool design. So I was like, oh, I need to right, take a photo right. of that. They had it in that pre-show room too. Anyway, uh, besides that, they also had a pre-show video. Skylab, is that what you're talking about? Skylab, okay, yeah. So that was the one I was talking about. And and Firehawk, you could sort of pretend. Byron a... Curve. Yeah, yes, Byron Curve, a very spacey. <laughs> uh, I guess, I don't know, you, you can connect it to Werner Von Braun or something. The Zodiac. <laughs> oh yeah, Zodiac, perfect. Uh, nail on the head right there. Mm -hmm. um, but the, and then so this pre-show room had a pre-show video which uh, the line was not long enough for us to stay and watch this pre-show video, but it looked it looked like it had pretty good uh, production values, as these things go. Better than Flight of Fear. Hey, Flight of Fear production values. I mean, doesn't that, matter. 
I mean that in the best great. way. Still, it's, yes. it looks way better. Right. Um, so, so appreciated that. That was a nice surprise. Uh, I, I try not to read into new attractions anymore because I, when I, when I ride them, I like to be surprised. Um, this is a total 180 from what I used to do 20 years ago when I was in high school and college. Um, I was not in college 20 years ago. That makes me sound really old. When I was in grade school and high school, um, I used to always read up, you know, if, if something was opening in July, I, I was reading about it in 1986. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, but I, I don't like doing that anymore. I actually like to be surprised now. Um, so that was nice. I, I appreciated that with Orion. Um, in terms of B&M Hyper slash Giga, I do feel that my favorites, number one would be Fury. Number two would be Nitro. I do still love Wait, Apollo Cherry. Yeah, as a Giga, as the BM sort of hyper slash Giga. Oh, hyper slash Giga, because I'm like Nitro is right. not a Giga. Okay. Yeah, no, no, no. I mean, like the that same style, you know, the the BM hyper slash Giga. Yeah, I okay, I got you. Yeah, um, Fury and Nitro. I still love Apollo's Chariot, even though I know it's it's you know not as intense as the newer ones, but. I, I love Apollo's chariot because it feels like you're flying in an easy chair. And it's just the, the sort of effect that it gives off. Um, and then Orion, I think, would be directly behind those. Um, I also went on Candemonium at Hershey Park a couple weeks ago. And Orion was much, much better than Candemonium. Uh, Candemonium is a much tamer version of a B&M Hyper, um, which is still good because it's still a B&M Hyper and can't go wrong with that. But... Very, very tame, probably intentionally. Um, but Orion, being, it was much, much better than that, especially since we rode in the front seat on Orion. That was that was killer. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. So where does I, the I, there is something kind of special about that first drop compared to even like Millennium Force in some way. Like with it going into a valley, it just feels a little bit more intense. I don't know how to well, put it. Well, at the at the so at the top, they sort of slow you down. Yeah. And when you're when you're leaning over the edge, it almost feels like a dive coaster. Yeah. Like it almost feels like you're on the front seat of a dive coaster when you're like just like leaning and you can feel yourself pressing against the lap bar. And it's just like, oh, okay, yeah, here we go. So at some point, okay, yeah, here we go. Yeah. Um, so so that was a very nice uh feeling. You you sort of got that dive coaster sort of feeling, which is always Great and terrifying at the same time. So where does, in terms of B&M, Hypers, and Gigas, where does Orion rank for you? For, for B&M, Hypers, and Gigas, I would put it right behind uh, Fury, in my opinion. Uh, but I haven't Did been on – say that again? Were you, were you on Nitro? Did you ride that? Uh, which one? Nitro, uh, Great Adventure, New Jersey. Yeah. yeah, I've been on that one, but I just don't remember okay. it probably very well. That's the thing. Oh, okay, okay. That's probably what it is. Like, I don't remember it. So, I mean, it's gigas are gigas. They're pretty great. And this one seemed, this one's forceful. It's fun. I mean, it's better than Mako, I think. So I would definitely rank Mako as one of the greats. So you say, you say, you say gigas are great, but then there's Intimidator at King's Dominion. That's true. Alex Uh, will, Alex will kill us for that comment. But yeah. Oh, Alex. Yeah, he loves Intimidator because he just likes the speed. But I'm like, okay. uh, it it does nothing for me. But yeah, I get I get you. 
Uh, well, to each his own. Yeah, to each their own. Uh, okay, so then we wanted to, uh, you know, we, we, we said, okay, what are our other priorities? And obviously it's going to be, in, in some order, Banshee, Mystic Timbers, and Diamondback. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think, did we, was that when we went to Banshee and it was closed? Yes. Yeah. So, so... Not not about- even, like, closed, we're opening soon. Like, walk up to the front and the people are like, yeah, not soon. Closed. Yeah, don't bother. And yeah. it was really odd, because mm-hmm. even though it was park opening, when we were walking past these rides, Flight of Fear, Max, or, uh, Delirium, and uh, Banshee were all closed. Mm-hmm. Like, not letting people in the line. Which was odd, but we were like, okay... Well, we'll just go on it later. And so we made our way over to the other side to do Mystic Timbers and Diamondback. Had I, I would say we were pretty lucky, even though we waited like 45 minutes for Mystic Timbers. I think we were pretty lucky in that the line wasn't too, too long. It, it doubled um, in length by the time we were off. Oh, yeah, easily, easily. Um, so even though it was excruciating because, of course, you know, we have the, the social distancing requirements, so they're only loading half the train. Plus you have Express Pass people who, you know, will, will go on the ride as many times as they want. So you have a very, very slow-moving line. Mm-hmm. So it was kind of excruciating, but, you know, still worth it. Um, uh, Mystic Timbers is very – I mean, I, I, I did forget, even though I wrote it like two years ago, um, I, I forgot like just, just, how much of a, just how much of a terror that ride is. Like that's, that's good shit. Like that – it doesn't let up. It's great. Mm-hmm. Very, I, it reminds me it reminds me a lot of uh, El Toro. Oh, oh, good. Yeah, that's a good comparison. I would take Mystic Timbers any day of the week over uh, the Beast. Any day. I mean, yeah, it's much more well <laughs> as as a as an experience as like a rock concert ex- like theme park experience. <laughs> riding the Beast at night is a must do. Oh yes. Uh, Yes, just, I agree. Just so you can just so you can have that experience. But yeah, when the Rolling comparing... Stones may not be the greatest show you've ever seen in your life, but it's the Rolling Stones. Right there, you go. Um, uh, very well put. Um, yeah. yeah, but Mystic Timbers really solid. Um, we can talk about the shed later. <laughs> I have I have been on Mystic Timbers before, so the shed yeah. was not a surprise to me. Jeff, what's in the shed? No, oh, God, don't go in the shed. Just it's just it's don't. it's gritty. I know, I know I'm supposed to be, like, scary when I say that, but it's just kind of uh, – It's gritty. It's gritty. A little weird. <laughs> um, so uh, uh, Diamondback was still closed when we got off Mystic Timbers, yes. if I remember correctly. Um, so we made our way over to the Beast, thankfully, because there was no line at the Beast. And I think that was, like, the only ride we went on that didn't have a line, including the antique cars. <laughs> yeah, oddly enough. Uh, <laughs> Um, uh, so, uh, so we went on the beast, um, unfortunately was during the day. Um, good thing though, there was no line. So it was very, very nice that we were able to do that. Cause we, we were not gonna, we had to drive back to Cleveland that night in order to go to Cedar point for opening for rope drop the next day. Mm-hmm. So it's about a three and a half hour drive from Mason to Cleveland. So, you know, we were not going to be able to stay until nightfall. Um, so we did the beast, which was, you know, checked it off our list. Very, very good. Um, and then we, what did we do after that? Did we go to Banshee or did we go to Diamondback? 
I think we were looking. So what we did was we, no, we we walked past the beer cart, and they were opening the beer cart. They were opening the beer cart, and it was like it was what like twelve oh five. It was yeah. It was like like it's noon. It's okay to sell beer there now. We go. <laughs> Let's put out so, the so queue walked, line. So we walked off the beast and walked towards the the racer Orion area. And of course, as we're passing the La Rosa's Pizza QSR location, <laughs> they have a beer cart like actually in the seating area for La Rosa's Pizza. Mm-hmm. So this was not an opportunity that we could pass up. So we grabbed two two loggers, two giga loggers, two uh, giga loggers. Because when you're fe- when you're <laughs> when you're getting a logger, you might as well go for three hundred feet worth of, of logger. Yeah. By the- um yeah take that yard house uh (laughs) but no this is the locally brewed from sonder brewing i want to say um lager beer themed for orion so that's their orion beer cheers cheers to you giga lager yeah that was pretty decent i i no complaints Mm -hmm. no issues with it i liked it so we grabbed that uh as we were walking, we lamented the loss, not just of Vortex, but also of Tomb Raider. God, Tomb Raider was so good. Tomb Raider was excellent. For anyone who went to King's Island during the 2000s, Tomb Raider was unexpectedly great. Mm-hmm. And I mean that unironically, because there there are very few quality-themed experiences in amusement Quality-themed, dark, like... Dark rides that are also flat rides. Yeah, especially. So this one, this one, in in terms of flat rides, like indoor flat rides at amusement parks, I would say top of the list. Easy. Because flat flat rides, you don't just, you just don't see that. Like, I get, like, I'll count, I'll count the, uh, what what do you call it? Not the Himalaya. What's the, the Music Express? Is that what it's called, Music Express? Yeah, the, that the, kind of ride? Yeah, yeah, in, um, in, um, at Knobles. At Knobles. Yeah. Yeah, the Music Express at Knobles, that's on the list. Um, I don't even know who else is on the list. <laughs> Silly Symphony Swings? Orange Stinger? No, no. <laughs> no. Um, yeah, I don't know of any, like, like rock and roll themed merry-go-rounds. So <clears throat> yeah, anyway, so, so high, high quality flat ride that one. Um, and then unfortunately we had to walk past the, the grave site of Vortex, which was really sad because when Vortex opened, it had the most inversions of any ride on the planet. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's kind of a, that's kind of a thing. Like that's kind that, of a milestone. It, it was a thing also like, remember when like most inversions was a thing and then it ended like, with like eleven well, or whatever it was. Yeah, so, so the crazy part about the eighties was they paired the most inversions thing with the highest lift hill thing. So every seating <laughs> not only just was... had these really small loops, very tall in the air. Like, <laughs> yeah, so every succeeding record-breaking roller coaster not only had the most inversions, but also had the highest lift hill. Yeah. So you you kept having these bigger and bigger and bigger roller coasters to the point where you got to Vortex had six inversions, 
the two loops, the two corkscrews, and the and the cobra roll. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was six. That so that was the tallest roller coaster on the planet and the most inversions on the planet. And then two years later, Magic Mountain came back and said, "Heh, Viper." <laughs> Um, so the Viper then was the tallest roller coaster on the planet, as well as the most inversions, because it had seven. And then came Magnum, and that's when it ended. Because mm-hmm. Cedar Point said, oh, wait, Magnum, and everyone shut up. And they're like, there's no inversions on it. Like, but we have airtime. And, the, and, and people are like, like yeah. ooh. And people are like, oh. And everyone was like, oh, right. We, 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 got, we got that now. We got you. We got <laughs> I, you, girl. I see. We see how it is. We see how it. We see how it is. We need. We need to rethink all our life choices. Um. So the, yeah, that's when that ended. Was with Magnum. Yeah, makes sense. And then every and literally everyone split off in a million different directions. There was stand up coasters. There was inverted coasters. There was Steel Phantom. There was Desperado. It it, it literally splintered into a million different factions, and just the the roller coaster, the whole milieu, just sort of took off. And just fractured itself. So it's really, it's really oddly nostalgic to look back at this '80s period when you can count on like you knew what the next big thing was going to be. Yeah, <laughs> it was going to be <laughs> plus one inversion and plus fifteen feet on the lift hill. <laughs> all made by Arrow. All made by Arrow. Of all course, going yeah. straight down the line. Um, I guess there's going to be three random corkscrews at the end of the ride now. Okay. Yeah, right? Yeah. So, but that was, that's Vortex. Like, Vortex yeah. has a very palpable place in amusement park history. So, and it is, it's gone. Yeah. yeah, so if we want to talk about amusement park history, and I'm going to run to the restroom real quick. Because okay. I, I was not on this ride. But I feel oh, like I... We, we need to talk about this uh, next ride. I, actually, maybe the next two rides at King's Island real quick, because I think we should talk a little bit more about King's Island, because it's an underappreciated park. But uh, the ride I was talking about was the first ride Togo ever built in America, and that is King Cobra. Oh, <laughs> King Cobra. I've never and been on it. You... The first uh, stand-up coaster of yes. all time. So would you like to explain King Cobra a little bit while I go use the restroom real quick, and I'll be right back? Sure. I mean, it's, <laughs> you know... Uh, not really too much to it. Um, King Cobra was the first stand-up roller coaster um, made by made by Togo, which God help you if you've been on a Togo roller coaster. Um, I think there are some that still exist. Uh, I think the Manhattan Express at New York, New York, and Vegas. I think was Togo. Um, it's rough enough to be Togo that I can say. Um, but yeah, King Cobra at King's Island was, uh, you know, it, it was stand up. So this was, this was back when stand up was like really unique. And I think even by the end of the eighties, King Cobra was built, I want to say 84 by the end of the eighties, like there were still just like three stand up coasters in the world. <laughs> so, uh, the stand up roller coaster at that time, maybe it was just the fact that Togo uh, didn't build great roller coasters, but uh, there were very few stand-up roller coasters until B&M started making theirs and assembly lining it. Um, the stand-up roller coaster in the 80s and 90s was very, very unique. You just didn't really see it anywhere. So it was 
um, it was something different. It wasn't great. It was something different. And anyone who's been on a stand-up coaster, even if it's B&M, which we know B&M does a really solid job, but stand-up coasters are just the worst because the, the, the G, when you're standing up, like the G-force on your legs, it's, it's, just, it's, it's just more pain than it's worth. Um, anyone it's who's a good idea on- that never worked out. Well, anyone anyone who's been on Skyhawk can 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 attest to Skyhawk at Hershey Park can attest to the fact that sometimes roller coasters give you so much pain that it's just not worth the fun that you're having. <laughs> um, and Togo Stand Up Coasters was right in that milieu. Um, now, from what I recall of King Cobra, it only had the single loop. I don't think it had any further inversions. I think it was just the single loop and the helix at the end. Um, it was very simple. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was very roller coaster tycoon ish. It, it, it felt like you know, a, you know, a twelve uh, year old making his first roller coaster tycoon stand up coaster because it literally was the drop, the loop, the helix. Thank you for coming. Please drive through. <laughs> um. But yeah, no, it's it's still too bad that they took out King Cobra, because again, it's 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 amusement park history, and we still have you know Gemini is still is still up at Cedar Point, and Corkscrew is still up at Cedar Point, and Revolution is still up at Magic Mountain, you know, and these are older than King Cobra or Vortex, mm-hmm. so it's really a shame to see you know uh, certain roller coasters are are kept. Um, but some, some just, you know, poor vortex. I'm interested to see what they're going to do with the land, but you know, I wish we knew cause now it's just empty land and that's very mean for, to do to vortex. Yeah. Well, talk about land that we knew what happened to it with, uh, is the other uh, attraction <laughs> of infamy from King's Island. That is Son of Beast. Um, oh. possibly... One of the most insane things ever designed. One of the most, I would say, boring things ever designed. I mean, it's one of the it's it's one of the primary edsels of the amusement park history. Um, Son of Beast. For those of you uh, who do not know what Son of Beast was at Kings Island, it was the first. Wooden roller coaster, correct me if I'm wrong, Joe, to A, be over 200 feet. That's correct. B, the first modern yes. wooden roller coaster <laughs> to, to feature a loop or yes. inversion of yes. some kind. That's not designed to kill you or yes, yes, yes. Right. That, that wasn't like perfectly symmetrical and whiplashed you to hell. Yeah, from like the from like the late eighteen hundreds, early nineteen hundreds. Yes, I yeah, agree. From like from like nineteen oh three. Yeah. When they when they still cattle prodded you in the funhouse. That's the era we're talking about. Anyway, you'd think that this was going to be a really cool thing because in the in the nineties, everyone got really excited about wooden roller coasters again, and everyone started building bigger and bigger and bigger wooden roller coasters. Mean streak. There was Mean Streak, and there was Texas, Texas Giant. Giant. Yeah. And there was the Rattler. Talking um, about all the Din editions. Jesus. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Um, and 
in the late nineties, that's when, that's when we had CCI, that's when we had GCI and they started making smaller, but much more, you know, much cooler wooden coasters, but there was still a push to have bigger and bigger and bigger and better. Well, we did it with steel. We couldn't do it with wood is the idea basically. Yeah. No kidding. Yeah. So Kings Island comes up with this Megillah 200 feet tall with a loop. And it was just like, you know, it was, you know, uh, it's one of those thrill rides, 2000 sort of rides where you're just like, oh my God, that is awesome. Have to ride it. Have to ride it. Um, no, you did not have to ride it. You did not have to ride it at all. If you did ride it, you probably are right now a part of a class action lawsuit. Um, because the ride was so bad and so painful that it was closed down after how many years, Joe? Uh, I want to say a decade. Yeah. Um, this was, this was literally the next big thing, you know, the equivalent to, uh, a Magnum, a Millennium Force, something like that. And yet it closed after 10 years. It was so bad. It was. I want to say it's less it was, than that though. It has to be less than that. So it, what it opened in, okay, well, we're going to, so by the way, um, Expedition Theme Park did a great episode recently on Son of Beast, so I, I highly recommend watching that, um, just A-plus work that they did. Um, it opened in, yeah, you're right, under a decade, opened April 28th, 2000, and closed in June, ni- June 16th, 2009, so nine okay. years. Yeah. Um, so we do not lament its loss. Yeah, at all. We lament the loss of the really cool freaking uh, zoo monorail that it demolished. <laughs> the the old uh, wild animal park that Kings Island used to have in that area, where you used to be able to ride a hanging monorail, Bush Garden style, through a through a zoo area. Yeah. Um, not there anymore because, because progress, but you know, yeah. So now we have a whole bunch of nothing anyway. Uh, what were placed in the general area, son of beast was is a, is a very, very impressive ride called Banshee, which was our next adventure. Oh, Banshee's good. Banshee's so good. We got, so we got in line Banshee. It was pretty long. It was 45 minutes, maybe? Um, yeah, about half hour, 45 minutes. Easy, yeah. yeah. So so, uh, so about 20 minutes in. Um, the Into very the night, line. Yeah, the 20 minutes in, waiting in the queue area, uh, the very nice operations lead came up to us and told us that, oh, no, you can't have alcohol in line. <laughs> we were still drinking our Giga Loggers. We, yeah, we were, so, you know, 20 minutes in, we were still drinking our Giga Loggers. And, you know, watching the absolutely fantastic uh, MTV pre-show video that they have in all the in all the rides. It's still um, a very good pre-show, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> if I were paying attention, I might be able to comment on that. But uh, I was too I was too busy dancing to Kidsville. Yeah. Uh, the <laughs> the uh, so, you know, so so we had a nice little chug. Uh <laughs> Of the gigaloggers over the next sixty seconds, and that was and that was that. Um, but yeah, Banshee Banshee is an inverted coaster that's that's really solid. It's really impressive what they did with a very very small footprint compared to a lot of these other inverted coasters. Um, 
That one and the uh, the ride at Carowinds, which I can never remember the name from. It's like Flight Deck or something like that. Yeah. Another very impressive inverted coaster in a very tight footprint. Um, but yeah, no Banshee. Banshee really kicks ass. It's re- it's really great. Um, I I prefer the um, the uh, vest restraints over the uh, horse collars because, like you know. Just because, like, I understand even with COVID, but before COVID, I really hate, like, holding on to the restraints and you just, like, it's like, oh, yeah, I'm feeling all these other people's, you know, forearms, you know, as I'm holding on. Like, but if you if you have the vest restraints, everything's, like, spaced out really nice. It's kind of just really open and it's just really yeah. nice, you know? Although this one particularly, I don't know if it's just the, the way it was situated, but it really, it really crushed my nuts. Um, I think it's so the guy. I think it's the guy who put down the restraints. Yeah, uh, we'll, we'll 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 give them the benefit of the doubt on that one, and 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 go with that one. Because that that um, happened. Because that happened to me on uh, on on Diamondback. So yeah, yeah, right. So um, so uh, Top Gun nay, flight deck nay, the bat. Mm-hmm. Uh, the line there was too long. Um, Adventure Express line was too long. Which is insane uh, to think about. Yeah. Uh, Flight of Fear line was too long. Um, uh, Delirium line was too long. Um, we were able to go on Racer. Racer had uh, a four-train operation, both tracks running with two which, trains, so which good is for them. unheard of in some weird ways. Yeah. I mean, I mean, good for them, but unfortunately that meant that Racer was the only real short line of you know the rest of the day. Uh, so we were able to get on <coughs> excuse me we were able to get on racer we were attacked by bees um which was interesting mm-hmm. um racer though unfortunately gets rougher and rougher every year and could definitely use a retrack like rebel yell did at king's dominion or at, or at least you know whatever whatever they did to to fix that at King's Dominion, uh, much preferable to the state that Racer was in, unfortunately. And I really, I, I really think they should, you know, I don't, I don't know if this is technical or, or, or they get complaints, but I mean, the classic Racer was one track forward, one track backward. I, I think that may be a safety thing. Is the only- I, 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 I assume because they haven't. I don't think they've done it in a long time. Yeah. Uh, but I mean that that was that was always classic racer, yeah. And it also and it also encouraged you to do the ride twice, yes, uh, which is always a good thing. But uh, alas, no more. Um, we made our way back over to Diamondback. On the way to Diamondback, we <laughs> we we walked through the kids area, the mm, yes. Snoopy, Snoopy, whatever they're calling it. Yes. Mm. And Joe, tell tell our viewing, tell our listening oh. public. Mm. So, um, continuing the fun Sonic listening experience that was, that was our day at Kings Island. Um, so we were walking through Kid Zone, uh, which is I, I want to say it's the world's largest Kid Zone, right? Like the world's largest, yeah. Like, um, are, are we are we counting like Mermaid Lagoon adjusted for inflation? Yeah, I guess that's a good point. Um, so we're walking through it, and they've got like, you know, kids bop on basically. 
You know, like the latest CD, whatever. And we're walking, and I'm like, this beat, th- this, this rhythm, this kind of cadence sounds familiar. What's going on here? And I'm listening. I'm like, wait a second. And then all of a sudden, uh, all of a sudden, I hear the the name drop of Minnesota Vikings, and I'm like, oh shit, they're playing Lizzo, and it's Truth Hurts by Lizzo in Kidsville. In Kidsville, and it's like the Kidsbot version about like. Instead of it being about, like, a bad breakup and how, like, Lizzo's washing her hair out of, like, a bad bitch. Like, it's it, it's the kids are like, my best friends. It's the funniest thing I've ever experienced in my life. It's I was like, this is insane. They still gave us that shout out to the Minnesota Vikings. Yeah, exactly. Of course, they need the Minnesota Vikings. Yeah, but it's, so. like, the, it's like the bubblegum Radio Disney version. Yeah. Which just, why even bother? Like, why even go there? Yeah. Um, <sighs> Man, that, yeah, was, no, that, was, that was a day. <laughs> yeah, no, we got to, we got to lament the old, like, the, the old Hanna-Barbera land slash Nickelodeon area yeah. of King Island from the mid-90s is still to this day the best amusement park kids area of all time. Did they ever have the Nickelodeon show in in Kings Island, or was that only at Kings Dominion? No, no, they had Mega Messamania at Kings Island. They did. Where was it? It was where the uh, uh, it's it's where the hanging the kids hanging roller coaster is the one that's themed like got you okay Woodstock yeah, or whatever yeah yeah that's that's where it used to be was and it the same have, kind of like theater thing there Yep, they had Mega Messamania. Wow. Out front, they had a they had a slime time geyser water maze. That, that's what they had at King's Dominion too. Remember? Yeah, yeah. God, that was that was so good. Oh, <laughs> we spent so many hours in that damn thing. Yeah, with Hanna Barbera Land that had Phantom Theater. Yes, and all the excellent, uh, you know, unique kids rides. They had they had a kids version of the Whip. And they had they had a multi-story uh, uh, Autopia sort of ride, which was great. They had all those, you know, the, the little track ride with the little propellers on it, and the 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 merry-go-round with all the Hanna Barbera characters on it. And they had the Beastie, and they had the little show, the Hanna Barbera show, and they had the puppet theater. God, Kings Island was the absolute shit for kids. Oh yeah. Anyway, uh, so we, you know, in, in the back of our minds, we're thinking about that. Although they still they still do have the blue Smurf ice cream at Kings Island. If anyone appreciates that, it's still there. It's still it's now in the Snoopy ice cream stand, whatever they're calling it. But the blue ice cream is still there. Joe the Cool King's- Cafe or something like that. You yeah, know, the, the Kings Island standby. Um, so we made our way into Diamondback, which uh, great ride, but. The, the the line was just hell on earth. It was probably like an hour and a half, give or take. Way too many uh, express like fast lane. So like it felt like every train was like half exp- express lane, fast lane. And then we also had the uh, biggest assholes from Earth behind us, just not social distancing. Oh yeah, <laughs> they would always like we would we would move we would move to the next uh, social distancing marker. And 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 they would just be following right behind us. Like they would be puppy. They would be too close last year, let alone <laughs> now. It's like 
Like the, they're like they're literally bumping in. Like I'm standing and like the side of the like the of the queue or whatever. They're bumping into the side next to me. I'm like, yes. what are you doing? Yeah. So please, please, everyone, maintain social distance. It not only obviously keeps everyone safe, but also keeps parks open. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. Because with another, you know, with another surge in coronavirus cases, parks be gone. So so let's all maintain our social distancing and wear masks and take our vitamin D3 and all that stuff. Yeah. Um, so Diamondback again, good ride. Hell on earth to wait for. So after after we did Diamondback, by the way, the one of the trains ahead of us uh, apparently had a uh, on board a cartoon witch. Yeah. That was wild. <laughs> because he he could not stop cackling. Like a cartoon I, witch. Literally. And I mean that in a very precise sense. Like and, and he you can tell he was he was sincere. This wasn't some sort of joke laugh. Like this guy legitimately had a cackle and he cackled throughout the entire experience from the station back to unload. <laughs> yeah. I don't know what was with him. I don't know if he had an issue or if he was just – that's just his thing. Let's just say he that was – that's his normal laugh. Okay, and, yes. Let's go with that. And man, that uh, made my day. So after waiting for Diamondback for an hour and a half, we had to sit down. So we rode the train. Yes. Yay. Um, and the train, by the way – so the water park is not open. But the train still passes the water park, obviously, because the sta- the water park station was one of the stations on the train. Um, and not stopping at the water park sort of put into sharp relief how very long the train ride is. <laughs> and unfortunately, for so for the first half of the journey, as you're going from the Rivertown area where the Beast is, as you mm-hmm. travel to the water park, you get treated to some very solid bluegrass music. Such as? I, 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 always, I always appreciate some good bluegrass music. Unfortunately, on the way back from the water park, you're treated to some very, very ear-screeching pop country mix, uh, which, which was just not – we were not in the mood. Yeah. After waiting an hour and a half in the sun for Diamondback. Um, we were not in the mood for Cotton Eye Joe. Um, and so, so what, what's that, that what's that version that was played? Cotton Eye oh, Joe. Cotton Eye Joe? Yeah, which, what's that one? I'm pretty sure that was just Cotton Eye Joe. I yeah, I'm, tr- was, I'm trying to find it so I can play it as a joke. Let's, let's not. Okay, let's, we're uh, not, we're, let's not do that. Yeah, let's. Yeah. Uh, okay, I'm going to cancel, nix that idea. Okay. I, I. I, I can I can see what's going to happen to your mentions, Joe. Yeah, just unsub- mass unsubscribes. <laughs> right. Oh God, my mentions. Yeah. Um. Uh. So after that, I think the only other ride we did was the antique cars, which very nice. The antique cars are back. So the antique cars originally were in the middle of the park in a very nice gardened green like sh- green shrubbery sort of area this where, is where basically Duncan, where but... diamond it back is right now yeah uh where i know it was where the stunt coaster is okay yeah 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 it was it was in, it was like in the in the like right behind the eiffel tower like in the middle of the park behind the uh the topiary clock 
mm-hmm. which I was very excited they have back. That is a Kings Island icon, and I'm very I'm very happy that they still have that. I, and I think it's also like a really good, just it's just a solid, normal like antique cars ride. I think it's very very good for what it is. It has themed elements. You go through a building. You go over two bridges. There's like there's trees. It's 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 really nice and pleasant. So yes. Um, however, my complaint is I, I have memories of the old antique cars that that <laughs> were in a very very nice gardened green sort of glen area where you have you had bushes, you had topiaries, like it, it felt like you were riding in the English countryside. So maybe they need more bushes. Right. So yes, more bushes, please. But the the current antique cars, which is more towards the racer, flight of fear, Orion area, seemed very roller coaster tycoon to me. Uh-huh. It was it was in a very blank sort of space. It was surrounded by like a fence. Uh, it, it seemed like very much like King Cobra. It, it seemed like you know roller coaster tycoon f- first 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 crack at the antique cars ride. For like Roller Coaster Tycoon three, where it was, oh my goodness, we have tunnels now, right? So even though it was a solid version of the antique cars, I, I do I do feel it, it could have it could have been it could have been upped a couple notches. Okay. Um, and then we ended our day at the new Miami River Brewery, which is a very solid choice for lunch or dinner, should you be at Kings Island. Um, they had a, they had a very nice setup where it was, it's sort of a combination of QSR and quick and table service. Uh, you, you went to the cashier at the front of the restaurant who gave you a number. You then went to the ordering station where you where you ordered your food QSR style. Uh, that's also where they had the soda fountain. And then you you went to your assigned table. They actually had, which is what the number is, right? So they they assigned you a table. You would go to your assigned table, and after a couple minutes, they'd bring you your food. Um, really solid setup, sort of a cross between QSR and table service. Um, they did have some good food there. Uh, I had the the pulled pork sliders, which unfortunately was dry. Um, so. I can't recommend the pulled pork sliders. Maybe the, maybe it was just a bad batch. Um, but the the tater tots were were fried to perfection. Yes. And, and then Joe, what did you have there? And then I had the uh, BLT, which was very good. Tater tots also perfect. And uh, this place has a very solid beer selection of. Um, uh, Columbus and Cincinnati and Dayton area breweries. Mm-hmm. So, like, if you want some local beers, they had uh, the Giga Lager on tap, but they also had some stuff from Dayton, some stuff from Cincinnati. So, um, yeah, if you want to get something to drink there, it's a great place. Yeah, very good place. Um, so that ended our day at Kings Island. And there was a lot of rides we didn't get on. We were disappointed about that because of the crowds. However, we sort of expected it because it was Labor Day Saturday. Yeah. You know, we we knew that was going to happen. So we were thinking, okay, Labor Day Sunday is usually less 
hectic than Labor Day Saturday. So when we go to Cedar Point tomorrow, it's gonna be it's still gonna be crowded, but it's gonna be less crowded. We should be able to get on most of the stuff. No, no, we weren't. No, we weren't. Full stop. No, we weren't. Uh, we went to Cedar Point Labor Day Sunday. So Jeff, uh, where did we go Saturday night when we got back in? Saturday night. Well, we went to Yard House. Yay, Yard House. Yeah. So there's a Yard House next to my dad's house in the Cleveland area. Mm-hmm. Um, so we got to go to Yard House, and um, <clears throat> we had a we had a nice apartif. Um, in the, in the the form of some booze and sugary desserts. Yes. Um, so that was solid. Um, and then the next day we went to Cedar Point along with my cousin Andrew. Mm -hmm. Um, and we expected it, as I said a minute ago, we expected to be crowded, but not as crowded. We showed up about 45 minutes early, 45 minutes before opening. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um... Turns out we were very wrong. Um, turns out it we were horribly wrong. Yes, it was. It was very bad. Very terrible. Um, one of the worst trips I've taken to Cedar Point. Unfortunately, um, very similar to but one, also one of the best. In a way, sure. Yeah, I mean there were good parts about it, um, but very reminiscent of when we went to Kennywood a couple years ago on a Saturday. Summer Saturday and just couldn't get on anything. Mm-hmm. Um, so we got at the park entrance about forty-five minutes ahead of time, um, and we we bolted our way in. Um, we f- so Andrew and I had been to Cedar Point about a month ago, so we were aware of the the ops that they had there. Um, the Top four rides, if you if you will, Steel Vengeance, Maverick, Millennium Force, Dragster. In order to ride the ride at all during the day, you had to get a fast pass, or in this case, a fast ticket. Um, you had to go to the ride entrance, wait in line, and get a ticket that will tell you when you can come back. So when Andrew and I went last month, um, we, we entered the park about five minutes after the park officially opened. We were able to immediately get tickets for Millennium Force, Steel Vengeance, Maverick. This time, when we passed Millennium Force, they still were not giving out tickets, even though the park was open. And we knew that the, the important tickets were going to be Steel Vengeance and Maverick. So we waited in a gigantic line for Steel Vengeance tickets, which we got. Then we waited in a big line for Maverick tickets, which we got. And then we hightailed it over to Millennium Force to get tickets at Millennium Force, waited another long line, and got tickets for Millennium Force. Yeah. So as it turned out, we, were, we had been there for a little over an hour. No rides. Still had not ridden any rides. However, good news is we had three tickets for three e-tickets. Which should be 20-minute wait each, both, right. you know, that's right? What, that's what it was last month. Uh, usually when you got in line, it was about 20, 30 minutes until you got to the front. Um, so we did, of course, grabbing as many beers as we could in the process. 
what was it? We grabbed we grabbed a beer at the saloon, and then we grabbed another beer at the the Western Bar. Yes, in the in the yeah on yeah. the on the Frontier Trail. Yeah. So so here we were, having had two alcoholic beverages and not gone on any rides yet, which to some I'm sure is a good time. Um, but we so we finally we got on Steel Vengeance first, which was which was hunky dory. We waited a little longer than we expected, but it was not bad. It was like 30, 45 minutes. We got back row. But also, getting on Steel Vengeance once in a day is worth the park admission is to Cedar Point, in my opinion. Like and, it's, and, it's, Andrew and I, Andrew and I don't care because we have the two-year season pass. Yeah, it's, it's absolutely A-plus, worth it, no questions asked, just, yeah. just the best ride in the world. Yeah, Steel Vengeance is the bomb. Um, so we then immediately afterwards, we had our ticket for Maverick. So we were like, okay, so this, this day is going as expected. So we'll hop on Maverick and then we'll, we'll wait, let's say 45 minutes for Maverick. And then we'll hop in line for Millennium Force. Cause our, if I remember correctly, our ticket for Steel Vengeance was 12 to one. Our tickets for Maverick and Millennium Force were one to two. So we had to sort of stagger it so that we got off Steel Vengeance exactly at one o'clock, hopped on Maverick, and then was able to get to Millennium Force by two o'clock. Part one went splendidly. I think I think we got off at what one o five, something like that. Yeah, very yeah. very very close. Yeah. So so Steel Vengeance went splendidly. Got in line for Maverick. The line was. The line was uncomfortably long when Andrew and I went last time the line had basically went through the indoor queue and then came out to sort of where the where the fountain was and the in the pond that they have and that was it but we not only saw that but we saw the line backed up all the way to the extended queue and three switchbacks deep in the extended queue which is a bad sign. Yeah. Uh, but we were like, okay, let's hope this is 45 minutes. Maybe the social distancing will mean that we wait less time. No. So Cedar Fair, more so than other parks, runs their trains deadhead every 20 minutes or so. And it was much faster than what I remember last month. I think I think it's every 20 minutes, to be honest. So if they're running three trains, every 20 minutes, they're going to deadhead the trains and run the trains empty. I, mm-hmm. I, I, I assume they also spray the, the tray down, or spray the train down. I have to assume that's what they do. Yeah. If not, then it's, that's sort of, that's, ugh. Um, but, so, there we were waiting for Maverick. And we waited, and we waited, and we waited, and it wasn't too bad because we had beers. Un- unlike unlike the un- un- unlike the 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 tyrants who run the line at Kings Island, <laughs> we were allowed to have our beers in Maverick, and we made sure to ask this time. And it just got to the point where we had done like one switchback, and it was how long, Joe? Like fifteen minutes? If not even that, like maybe even. Yeah, yeah, I, I, maybe 20. Yeah. So we were waiting for 15, 20 minutes. We had done one switchback. 
we had two more switchbacks in the extended queue. Then we had to go all the way to the indoor queue and go through all the switchbacks there. So we were in a bad way. So we had to make some choices. Um, so we decided to get out of line knowing that Millennium Force would probably be a shorter wait and not as excruciating. Turns out we were right, so thankfully there. Um, got in line for Millennium Force. It was, you know, the expected sort of 30 minutes. Millennium Force was great, as usual. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we ran into the very odd situation where we could not get on anything. It, that was really weird, yeah. Literally anything. Cedar Creek Mine Ride had a 45-minute line. Gemini was closed. Corkscrew was closed. Valraven was 175 minutes. Raptor was 100 minutes. I We did not check Blue Streak, but I'm sure the line went all the way into the lake. Um, and it literally was, oh my God. <laughs> it was like 75 minutes for Blue Streak. For Blue Streak. For Blue and Streak. It's just a combination of the park being packed because it's the holiday weekend. It's the end of the summer. People are people are tired of staying inside. They want to go to a park. They're, they're selling tickets like water to get people there, thinking that COVID is going to keep people out. Well, not in September. Um, that plus – we assume that they, they sent, you know, the, the college kids are probably in college. They don't have the staffing to staff all these rides. So so all these rides were closed. Couldn't get on anything. Um, so we walked. We walked the entire length of the park back and forth. <laughs> Rougarou had a two-hour line. Valraven was 175. Yeah. Skyride was close, so we couldn't even do that. Uh, the train, the the Lake Erie Railroad had a line that if you were sit if you were sitting by Steel Vengeance, you could not see the end of the 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 little the the train ride that goes from Steel Vengeance to Millennium Force. Uh, uh, yeah, so we we walked like the entire length of the park, just like Jesus. So we said, okay, well, the only thing we really can do is get back in line for the Steel Vengeance ticket distribution, which, by the way— Did you mention about the grilled cheese? The, the, not the grilled cheese, the uh, uh But the that mac was and cheese? on the way to Steel Vengeance, was it not? Yes, it was. So, okay. So, so, to, so Cedar Point, the way they do these tickets is they give out— they give out tickets that have a return time up to four o'clock when the park opens. Then they cut it, and then at three thirty, they give out tickets for the rest of the day. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so we said, okay, this is ridiculous. So the only thing we really can do is to try and get back in line for the ticket distribution for Steel Vengeance at three thirty, and just salvage our day by getting tickets for Steel Vengeance and hopefully Maverick. Yeah. So that's what we did. Now, we had walked the entire length of the park. So we coincidentally were near the brand new uh, mac and cheese restaurant set up that replaced the Pink's Hot Dogs stand at Cedar Point. Mm-hmm. Um, it's basically, for those of you who don't know what it is, it's basically Chipotle with mac and cheese. 
Um, you know, they make you the mac and cheese. By the way, they mix the mac and cheese inside a literal block of cheddar. Not kidding. They actually take a giant block of cheddar cheese. They they carve a bowl. A giant, giant, huge. They carve a bowl inside the block of cheese, and that's where they mix the macaroni for you. Um, so you get your mac and cheese, and then you can put your toppings on it. Uh, so you you can put pulled pork on it. You can put bacon on it. You can put uh, 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 brisket on it, which is what I got. It was great. Uh, and then you can choose your sauces. So uh, the one that I got had brisket, bacon, barbecue sauce, and shredded cheddar, mm-hmm. which was delicious. It was a great time. Uh, Andrew liked his as well. He got the same thing I did, except he got the pulled pork. Um, very, very excellent. Uh, the The walk from the front of Cedar Point to the back of Cedar Point is so long that both of us finished our giant bowl of mac and cheese by the time we had gotten to the back of the park. And I was like, where the fuck are you guys? Can we need to do <laughs> – like they're, they're starting this line up early. Come on. So Joe was waiting uh, pretty far back but not too ridiculous Yeah. in this line. It was past the railroad tracks over to where the slingshot was. So we're like, okay, park's open till 8. We'll probably get like a, a six o'clock or a seven o'clock because the when we got our twelve noon tickets for Steel Vengeance originally, we were we were a legit ways back. Mm-hmm. So so we were like okay if the if the first time is four o'clock we'll probably get like the six or seven o'clock window. Nope nope didn't get any tickets they sold out they gave them all out. Thanks for coming. Please drive through. We assume no social distancing at all, and they're just, they just gave up. Everyone I, gave up. I, I think I think they were just having. I think they were just limiting the tickets for operations. Maybe, yeah, very possibly. I mean, we were we were not that. So we were we were about halfway. the The first time we got tickets, we were about halfway from where we were the second time, and we were able to get the twelve o'clock time window. So we should have, from where we were, we should have gotten a six or a seven o'clock from where we were, but we just didn't. They they ran out of tickets, and then we went to Maverick, and they ran out of tickets. Sorry, no soup for you. So we were absolutely boned for the rest of the day, and we were like, oh my god, what are we supposed to do? Because we knew we wanted to have melt for dinner, mm-hmm. but we had also just had lunch. Uh, 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 not so coincidentally but fortunately um, Melt is in multiple locations in the Cleveland area so so including one very close by to Cedar Point yes so we were we basically resigned ourselves to say okay well I guess we'll have Melt after we leave which unfortunate because I'm sure Cedar Point gets a little little piece of every every dollar that Melt gets and they're they're not going to get it because they don't have our stay time. Mm-hmm. So as it turns out, we couldn't do anything. So the only thing we tried was we went to Gatekeeper. Gatekeeper was closed, but it was testing. But it was testing with water dummies. Why the hell they were testing with water dummies at 4 o'clock in the afternoon, I'm sure I don't know. But they were. 
Mm-hmm. So we said to ourselves, why don't we just wait here? Because the area around Gatekeeper has a, has a, has a good amount of flat rides, including two that I'm very fond of. So, so we said, okay, why don't we let's, and th- this is, this is a very out of the way location where Gatekeeper is. And it's also where uh, Wicked Twister and the Ferris wheel are, but it's very, it's very alcovey. It's out of the way. So it's not as crowded. <laughs> mm-hmm. So we said, okay, the line for the friggin' scrambler is like 45 minutes. So why don't we do the Troika and the Calypso Nay Tiki Twirl, which are, which are two of my favorite flat rides, um, which is in the Gatekeeper area. Let's do these rides, and we can, we can pretend like basically what we're doing is we're in line for Gatekeeper. Mm-hmm. Because they're, they're right in front of Gatekeeper, so you can, you can, we can have our eyes on Gatekeeper to see when they open. So there we were. We were riding Troika, um, and during that time, Gatekeeper kept testing with water dummies. Over and over and over and over and over, yeah. Over and over and over and over again. It kept going, kept going, kept going. So we did Troika after like freaking a half hour to wait for Troika. Of all rides. (laughs) Then we went over, yeah, of all rides. Then we went over the Tiki Twirl. Well, I'd rather, I'd rather... I'd rather do Troika than Scrambler. Fair. Um, so we went to Tiki Twirl. We got entertained by the basketball game that was in front of Tiki Twirl and got to marvel at the, the, the people who were able to hit like 11 shots at a rim that was very, 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 very obviously rigged. Mm-hmm. That one girl did really well, though. Yeah, she got like ten, she she got like what nine? She was like one short of the the day's record. Yeah. So good for her. I mean, I hope I hope uh, whatever hat she won, I'm I hope she enjoyed it. Um, and so while we were in line for Tiki Twirl again, another half hour line for this basic flat ride that you shouldn't be waiting at all for. When we were in line for Tiki Twirl, uh, we noticed that Gatekeeper stopped testing. Mm-hmm. And we were like, this is this is either very, very bad or very, very good. It could be very, very good because they could be taking out the water dummies. It could be very, very bad because that would mean that they're done for the day. So we waited another half hour for freaking Tiki Twirl, which again, rather wait for Tiki Twirl than Scrambler. Um, finally did Tiki Twirl, made our way to Gatekeeper, saw that the water dummies were off, don't remember were what were the 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 trains testing? Do you remember Joe empty? I think we saw one go up empty, and we're like, "Oh shit, this is it!" And we ran over. Right, so we ran over to Gatekeeper, got in line, and said to ourselves, "Okay, let's wait here about 20, 30 minutes to see if Gatekeeper opens." Lo and behold, literally two minutes after we got in line, they opened it. Yep, and we we walked on the second train, and you know. Even though we only went on five rides the entire day, we stayed from like 11 to 6. We stayed like seven hours at the park. Even though we only got on five rides. Yeah. Just just that Gatekeeper experience just salvaged it just a little bit where we just walked on Gatekeeper. Um, So that was pretty bomb. Gatekeeper's always great. That was great. And then then we went to Melt in the Cleveland area and Melt in in Avon. In Avon. If anyone is in the area, 
And Melt is always high quality. Mm-hmm. So I had a great time there. And then we spent the rest of the night watching uh, videos about Communicore. <laughs> Man, that was wild. <laughs> which, you know, that's, that's, that's a way to spend your night. Um, so that's our trip report. Not very great news for Cedar Point. Better, not, better but not great news for Kings Island. So in the, in the last in, – in Act 3 here of our podcast. Yes. Let's talk about the final issue that we want to talk about. So as an, as an amusement park fan, I, I love theming on roller coasters. And to me, more theming the better. Mm-hmm. However, if I were running an amusement park, Cedar Point, Kings Island, Dollywood, Magic Mountain, what have you, I have to think to myself, how much, how much return, how much, how worth it is this theming? Mm-hmm. Especially something like Mystic Timbers, where you have to assume so. Amusement parks don't have an unlimited amount of money. This is a zero-sum game. Mm-hmm. The money I spent on the shed for Mystic Timbers is money I could have spent building a seat ticket or money I could have spent maybe maybe having a fireworks show every Saturday during the summer or money I could have spent uh, replacing the park benches or building another restaurant or or coming up with a new character area or building a couple more rides at kid, Kidsville. Mm-hmm. That's money that could have been spent on other things, but I decided to spend it on the shed. And I feel that I don't I don't think the value is there. So my my hypothesis and my my challenge to you Joe is I can think of plenty of good, well, a couple of good examples of unthemed rides that seem to really nail the presentation. Mm-hmm. Three in particular. I think the best examples of an unthemed roller coaster presentation Raptor, mm-hmm. Millennium Force, mm-hmm. and The Beast. Mm-hmm. These are rides that are unthemed. But they have they have aesthetics. They have aesthetics. They have they have a couple things in common. They have a great name. They have a great logo. Mm-hmm. Raptor has a great tagline. They have a great marquee. Mm-hmm. They have color coded queue areas. They have either color coded or well presented loading stations they have distinctive trains and they have a distinctive track silhouette Mm -hmm. I would say if you get those things right you do not need to spend money on more theming and I think it might I would say it's a detriment for you to do so the example I can bring up not only is Mystic Timbers, but Banshee. Mm-hmm. Banshee, Banshee has a, a Steel Phantom-esque statue at the marquee. They have gravestones scattered around the queue area. They have a nicely, 
not really nicely, but they tried. The loading station, which is kind of kind of trying to reminisce as an old haunted house, but not really. It's sort of concrete. I would say it's more just a the- like a cathedral. It's it's like it's like a fright fest sort of effort. Um, and then they have the they have the scream at the top of the lift hill. Mm-hmm. Okay. But I would say if if they didn't have any of that, would anyone notice or care? Hmm. Because because Raptor, Millennium Force, and Beast are very popular attractions decades after they opened. Their presentation is solid. I think if you're an amusement park like Cedar Point, that should be your model. If if you're if you're putting extra money for the the queue at Twisted Timbers, how many T-shirts are you actually selling? If you're Steel Vengeance, how many blackjack T-shirts are you are you actually selling? How many how many chess chess McChesterton chess sets have you actually sold? Even worse, did you sell out your first year's inventory of T-shirts? Mm-hmm. These are costs you have to pay, and I know this working from working as you know in in marketing. You have to pay a vendor to come up with these posters. You have to pay you have to pay a vendor to come up with your pre-show video in Orion. Those are those are union actors you have to pay. Those are real production values you have to have. That that pre-show video I guarantee you costs hundreds of thousands of dollars. How much is it worth? And it's not it's not just having an indoor portion of the queue area. It's it's legitimately you're spending legitimate money on this. Is it worth the expense from a business perspective? So I will I will hand the floor over to you. Do you have a counter argument or are you agree with what I'm saying? Well, I think one of my fundamental arguments is going to be um in a way uh w- w- especially with how you framed it is why is there is there a business sense to owning a fo- uh, like a football team or a baseball team? No. <laughs> I mean, not really. You're going to be investing a lot of money into it. But when it comes to these kinds of things, it's a vanity project, especially when it comes to a massive giga coaster or a highly touted, you know. Well, so I, w- I would push back on you there um, because a, a football team is a privately owned enterprise. It is, it is a vanity project. But these these parks, for the most part, they're publicly traded companies. So they have they have an obligation to make a profit and an obligation to serve the shareholders, which my argument is the shed at Mystic Timbers, because I would argue if you did not have the shed, I don't think your ride would be any less popular. See the beast, see Millennium Force, see Raptor. And I think the money you would have spent on the shed could have gotten you a solid sea ticket or, or a couple nice restaurants or a couple new rides at Kidsville. And I would argue that that would give you just as much or of more value. Well, well isn't that the same thing with Paul Pressler? Whatever is good for Six Flags is good for Disneyland? I mean, that's the angle. Well, Disney is a publicly traded company. It doesn't matter. It's fine if we build whatever. Well, but Dis- I mean Dis- that's that's Dis- D- Dis- that's DCA. That's DCA in a nutshell. 
But Disney Disney has a higher standard. That that's why I'm specifically uh, talking about amusement parks. But I mean, but that but that thing comes still comes down like, at, but it, can't you see some sort of transcendence or possible decline in how these things are described? Where you're like, well, no, well, clearly Cedar Fair can't can't possibly be a theme park. And I'm like, I know Jeremy, um, um, roller coaster philosophy wrote a huge article about the difference between the theme parks and amusement parks recently. And I've barely scratched the surface. It's a huge, huge article. Um, but like, I, I like if we can't, you know, like at least do some sort of, you know, movement between those two definitions and what's the point. But like, I still would argue that it's still kind of a thing where you're like, you're still trying to attract people to come see these experiences. And one of the ways you can do that is by offering something that's a little bit broader than just, yo, we did scream the ride. It's a, it's a, uh, it, it, it's a floorless coaster over our old parking lot. Enjoy, you know, like the most bare bones of, of experiences. So, so that's that's why I'm that's why I'm arguing because mm-hmm. a ride like Scream at Magic Mountain is one of the worst experiences ever. Like even yeah. though the ride is solid, like it's it's just so revolting. Or the, even the aesthetics. Even compare compare, com- like you can even literally compare dominator to batman the ride like this exact same experience built in two different ways right so but what i'm saying is and i'll clarify this a little bit better i i'm not talking about scream or dominator which which is just wretched in its presentation Mm -hmm. i what i'm saying is if if our if my model as a as a biz, as someone running an amusement park if my model for a good roller coaster presentation is Raptor Millennium Force and the Beast and I tell I tell my designers or my architects or whoever that this is what I want all of my roller coasters to emulate if I say that is that any worse than than theming it is that any worse than having that extra room that extra pre-show room in Orion or the trees in the line of twisted timbers. Money which can be spent, because you, you can have a Raptor-esque presentation at Orion. And, and my argument is it will still be just as popular as if, as if you had that pre-show room. And I would say that money, that, that hundreds of thousands of dollars you spent on that video, I think could have been better served either building extra rides and therefore increasing the capacity of the park, increasing stay time, building another restaurant, which is revenue generating. If you're an amusement park, if you're Disneyland, you have Indiana Jones across the street. So DCA looks like shit by comparison. But with Cedar Point, like that's like Raptor Millennium Force, like that's 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 the bar. Right. People, I don't think the the people who go to Cedar Point and we're talking just about roller coasters here, not about dark rides, because dark rides, obviously, is a totally separate thing. But a roller coaster, like, are you getting extra visitors, extra stay time, extra anything, extra revenue by putting pre-show rooms into Orion and Mystic Timbers and, and Twisted Timbers and creating a backstory on Steel Vengeance? When that money could have been spent on something else. 
Well, there are no pre-show rooms in Twisted Timbers. Well, yeah, the 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 Q uh, the the Q props, the Q aesthetic. Well, that's but that's an aesthetic. I mean, it's 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 an aesthetic just as much as Raptor or okay. Well, yeah, you invested a bunch of money into Orion, but you still invested a bunch of money into Millennium Force for that music too. Like that's their own custom music. So like, I mean, that's all money invested. So I, I mean, but then you come around and we're like, well, let's look across the street from Millennium Force. Let's look look at Rougarou. Like, what about the lighting and fog setup across the way and the sound effects added? You know, like what about that? What, what what's? I mean, yeah, you could still call it Mantis, I guess, and just add, you know, <laughs> the 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 floorless trains instead of the stand up, but. The, the the idea is that you're at least offering something a, a new idea, a new concept. Like the idea is like if you're at an amusement park, you want to offer something that is novel, and when you have something that's novel, that's kind of the idea behind it. Like just like offering these options, and I think that's where. But 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 then I would also flip this around on its head, Jeff, and say there's an ultimate failure of this concept that I agree with you on. And that is Italian Job, The Ride. It is absolutely bad. I don't think it's an interesting queue experience. I don't think it's an interesting ride experience. I don't think the on-ride effects are that great. And I just... I think the ride... Like, the actual riding of it is not fantastic. And maybe that is kind of, like, the thing that proves both of our points. Where... Just adding theming isn't good enough, but you need something more. I think I think there's a line, like a, a themed roller coaster, especially one at an amusement park. You have to cross a certain line of I don't know how to describe it. Being cool, being unique, right? Swagger. Uh, sure, swagger. Themed swagger. That. Uh, what I don't even confidence. Know. Sure, confidence. Uh, something like uh, the what was the what was the dynamite mine ride called at Dollywood? Uh, do you mean do you mean um, do you mean the mine one or the fire chase express? The, the, the mine one, the roller coaster. A uh, mystery mine. Mystery mine. Something like that. Like that's different. Like that's something, yeah, right. But when you have, you know, a couple of twisted timbers, or if, even like Steel Vengeance, I mean, we really can we can extrapolate this all the way to Dueling Dragons, mm-hmm. where you have such you you spent so much money and effort on a setup that does not pay off because ultimately. No matter how themed your queue area is, Dueling Dragons was just an iron roller coaster. The only themed elements it had after you left the station was, number one, the trains. Number two, a lake shaped like a dragon. And number three, foot chop on ice in the castle area. Okay. Like, that's it. Like, well, but, but, then I, but then I would also say, what... What amount of time are you spent on the ride versus waiting in the queue? 
Well, Dueling Dragons, you didn't really wait too long. <laughs> to but, 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 um, but, 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 well, I mean, like, if you're waiting, we, we just got over this discussion of waiting an hour, you know, like 30 minutes, 45 minutes, an hour, possibly two hours for a ride. Like, what is, I mean, maybe that is what, you know, we need. Maybe that is what sells it. Like, it's not about making the ride better, but it's making about waiting the queue experience better. And that's the point, you know, and, so, yeah. And, and yeah, like, yeah, everyone can wait in a, you know, a, you know, 40 by 40 foot area of just switchback queues with nothing in it and ride the same ride, you know, but <laughs> if you make it different or you make the queue a little, uh, you know, like, it, 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 it various differences differences in length and you know and angles and and positions and the, you go inside a building or there's a video or whatever like you're still offering an experience and that's the important part but how much of that so how much of that though is just the fact that you're inside and much more comfortable because we can we can agree that diamondback is a mediocre to bad presentation well, I mean, but also there's no no inside component to any of your examples of fantastic coaster experiences. I would say it's it's about the differences. It's about creating an outside inside. It's about being it's about seeing different things, you know? It's it's about just giving people different experiences while waiting so it, when they go through this experience, they're at least not being like, well, we waited two hours, but it, man, God, that was terrible. Versus, man, we waited two hours, but you know, it, 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 we had fun, we had an enjoyable time. I mean, like we, like Jeff, say what you want, but like you, you mentioned it yourself. We had a great time waiting that stupid amount of time to watch, to to ride Steel Vengeance <laughs> that one time. And well, that made- was be- that was because of the company. Yeah, I mean, I mean, and yeah, it, and, it just, and it just so happened we were undercover. Thankfully. Yeah, but I'm, but I'm, uh, but, but exa- that, that has nothing to do with the theming. But what I'm saying is, but if it was better, or but because you could do something more, you can justify that expense. I, I, I think there's, I, I really think there's something there, and I'm not, I'm not saying like everything needs a multi-million dollar, 10, 20, 30 million dollar, you know, theming budget or whatever, or also the, you know, you know, that, uh, Millennium Force is just, I, I would also argue that, you know, Millennium Force is a little bit more than just its Q line itself. Um, but you know, I, I really think that there is something there where, you know, Mystic Timbers has a little bit more, and uh, maybe, you know, the idea behind Mystic Timbers where the ending offers a little more theming is not the way to go. I, I, I would argue that's perfectly fine. But, you know, when it comes to something like looking at Orion with the, you know, the elements in the queue where it's trying to improve your weight experience or, um, uh, you know, a flight of fear or any of those experiences – I think that's I think it's totally valid and it, and you've got to offer unique experiences. Um otherwise then what's the point? You're just, you know, whatever. 
I mean, to be fair, though, the the experience for Orion is the roller coaster itself. Like we don't I I would I, I don't think there's very many people who who would who would ride Orion or want to ride Orion with the pre-show video included who would not have made a trip to King's Island had the pre-show video not been a thing. Yeah, but like we we bailed on uh Phantom's Revenge when we saw the line was too long. Now, if that if that queue went through an indoor building with some sort of video, would you have bailed? Probably, to be fair. Okay, well, but only, only that that that's situational though. But but I'm trying to offer the the example of like, well, if you start offering something that's not a straight line, you know, in a boring queue experience, could you then justify it being like, okay, well, there's something more here, or there's it's indoors, or there's indoors outdoors, or whatever. So, but like, but but like, uh, there's. There's plenty of reasons why I think giving people a creative reason to build something or just be interesting or like coming or when you come down to it, it's like you're trying to like provide a, a, a reason for people to come out. And by that, I mean, that is not necessarily, hey, you get to wait in a line and it's themed more like, hey, we have a new ride and it's based around this or whatever. Yeah, but I mean the in in my opinion, like the call, calling a ride Twisted Timbers, having the Twisted Tree logo, putting the Twisted Tree and the marquee, having no theming in the line, and then having the same loading area that they do. Mm-hmm. I would argue is exactly the would would be the exact same experience, and I don't think you lose any visitors. I don't think you I don't think your your park rating goes down, but you spent legitimate money on that queue building all those all those problems mm-hmm. thing with steel vengeance. I think yeah. I think my thing is and again, I mean, I, ultimately, I don't care that much because I am not working for an amusement park. However, I do. I would like to work for an amusement park at some point in my in my life. Um but the the idea of a themed presentation tied to an unthemed coaster always sort of rubbed me weird. Okay. I never really liked when that happened. And this goes to Dueling Dragons. I always thought, even though I love Dueling Dragons to death, I always thought there was just something off about it because it has this amazing setup, one of the best setups ever. And yet it pays it off with a with a totally iron, unthemed roller coaster. And it's the same thing with Steel Vengeance. Like the the ride itself loses nothing if you lose the theming. Mm-hmm. Honestly. Same thing with Twisted Timbers, same well, thing with Iron. At, at which point do we say maybe the ride needs to be also better on itself? Yeah, well, exactly. That's my point. Like that's Raptor, Millennium Force, Beast are all, at, at least were, at some point, well, great rides. Okay, well, uh, then maybe we need to, argue, maybe the argument needs to be that themed, you know, attractions have gotten way better. So... Themed themed attractions like like dark rides? No, I'm, I'm talking about, like, even coasters. Like, 
the idea of a roller coaster that has a fantastic themed like look, Dueling Dragons in 1999 was absolutely revolutionary in what it did. And my argument then is like, well, maybe we need to just maybe maybe that's moved on. Maybe you know, like maybe you know the difference between the original Disneyland uh, Fantasyland and the 1983 Fantasyland, you know. It just needs to step up again. Maybe that maybe that's where we're at, where you know, local parks have gotten to the point of Islands Adventure in nineteen ninety nine. I mean the Universal and Disney, that's a different that's a different thing because they have they have bars in terms of theming that are set way, way, way higher. But you when you think about the roller coasters there are so few roller coasters that actually the, the theming actually makes the ride mm-hmm. like space mountain or thunder mountain or whatever. I mean, in, in my opinion, like there, there is some, there is some line that, you know, the, the theming has to really hit with the ride or else it's not worth it. Like, mm-hmm. so like space mountain, or Thunder Mountain, or whatever. Volcano. Volcano is probably the best example. With Volcano, you get the theming, like 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 seared, like tied to the ride. Like that is that is a quality themed ride. Um, because it's it's all tied together. Whereas whereas these other rides, the Twisted Timbers, the Steel Vengeance. It's, it seems to be like 99% roller coaster and 1% theming. And the theming just seems to be like the, 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 little, the little sidekick that, that some kids would like. Uh, maybe, it's, maybe it's like, so in, in the 80s with comic books where they had all those, all those great like gritty comic books like Watchmen and Dark Knight Returns and Killing Joke and Alan Moore and Frank Miller and all of them. And then everyone tried to copy them because that was the thing to do, but it was it was all very very bad because it depends on the writer and how quality the writing is. So I just wonder if this is sort of just a trend or a phase that everyone's like, oh, people like rides more if there's theming. But then it's like, really? Are you sure? Do they like? Do they do they really like Twisted Timber? Like. If if the theming in the line for Twisted Timbers or Steel Vengeance was not there, would you lose any visitors? Would your park rating go down at all? I think like I think the the theming is not connected enough to the ride to say yes. I mean, Flight of Fear, the theming is connected to the ride on Flight of Fear. Same thing with Volcano. Same thing with Space Mountain, Big Thunder Mountain. But my argument is, if you don't get to that point. I would say your theming is, frankly, a bad, bad, bad investment. Mm-hmm. What would you say? Well, I, it, I, I mean, I'm trying to figure out the words for this because because immediately I need to be on the defensive on this. But I mean, on, on one hand, yes, I agree. Like, if you're just theming a ride to theme it, you know. Yeah, you're right. It's not the greatest investment in the world. Um, but 
but if you're still trying to do something and make it unique or try to do something with it, like, is that such a bad thing? And, but you, you, you keep bringing back, well, let's not bring Bush into it. Well, like, let's bring Bush into it. What's the theming of, you know, any of the rides at Bush Gardens Williamsburg? The coaster's there besides for Bolton. Pretty much nothing. I do think, though, the reason why I left that off is I do think that there – so people know whether they are visiting an amusement park or a theme park subliminally. Bush Gardens, I would say, is a themed park. Okay. Six World, I would say, is a themed park. Disney Universal themed park. Six Flags, Cedar Point, King's well, Island, amusement may- Maybe, maybe they're trying to be something a little bit more. Maybe they're trying to straddle and get up into the upper echelon. But you gotta, you gotta go one hundred percent with it, though. Well, then maybe you're just replacing it. Maybe you're just, like doing that. Here we're gonna do this. Here we're gonna do that. Because like, you know, hey, guess what? Uh, besides Revolton, like I like all the rides I've seen at Cedar Fair have been doing better things with pre-shows and cues than what uh bush has done recently like it's just it's true like if you look at it um outside of like maybe manta which is fantastic i mean look at bush gardens williamsburg like Okay, what's the what's the, what's the experience of a polished chariot? What's the experience of Alpengeist? What's the experience of their drop coaster, which name is totally avoiding me right now? What's Griffin. Exper- yeah, Griffin. What's the experience of Invader? Like, look at Invader. Look at Invader versus um, uh, Mystic Timbers. Both open the same year. One open in a quote unquote theme park. One open in quote unquote amusement park. Which one was Invader? Invader is the other uh, GCI Woody. Where is that, though? Busch Gardens, Williamsburg. Did we go on that? We went on it twice. Oh. Maybe maybe it's not very memorable because of the experience, Jeff. I guess not. Yeah, so... Maybe that's the kind of point I'm trying to get to is like if you want to if you want if you want to go from an amusement park to a theme park, maybe you need to invest in being themed. So, I mean, yeah, I don't I don't know what else to say to that. But if that's if that's the case, you you got to go you got to go better with the surrounding area theming. I mean, well, Steel Vengeance and Maverick. Yeah, Steel Vengeance well, and Maverick does pretty well. Um, the uh, 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 Orion and Flight of Fear do pretty well. They they do fantastic. But Twisted I think Timbers the- is in the middle of freaking nowhere, and I think it's next to a fifties diner. If um, I recall, uh, they 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 tried retheming that area, and they can do better to do it. But yeah, no. So, so Frontier Town and Cedar Point, they've done fantastic work with with all the food they did, and and all the show work they did. Um, for you know that area when they debuted Steel Vengeance and same thing going on with um God um Maverick yeah and, and but also with Maverick but there, the, uh, another park did something similar but the but the idea behind it is like if you're gonna make something of that nature like 
yeah, you've got to make it more than just the ride itself. And that's the important part. So we we just got to remember that. Like, you know, it's it's not just the ride. Like, that's the difference between Hurler the Ride, you know, and, 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 and Twisted Timbers when it comes with when you've got, you know, the Apple Mountain Grove, you know, thing that used to be Ricochet and those other things. Like, you, you've got to remember that. And maybe maybe the big difference is when you start tying in multiple experiences is when you become a theme park. Because a, a theme in the music in the musical context is when you have some sort of emotion or you know resonance that gets carried through you know a piece so when you have something that gets carried through attractions that's a theme as opposed to you know a one off so mm-hmm. i would argue that you know hey steel vengeance maverick frontier town that seems pretty themed to me if they're trying to do a giant you know story about maverick you know blackjack chess and and uh digger and all those characters and especially when they have the walk around characters which they should bring back but you know maybe that maybe that is theme i mean it's definitely better in in frontier town um i guess i guess I guess the bad thing is the parachute building idea. Mm-hmm. Twisted Timbers, Banshee. Yeah. That sort of thing. Because there's n- literally nothing to connect well, with. Well, yeah, yeah. So, like, let's go Let's go to Banshee. Like, Banshee's in, in, in Thrill Zone. Like, you know, there's nothing there. So right. you need to be... Uh, let's maybe not say it's a, a waste, or I'm, I'm going to put words in your mouth, but it's not a waste to do this for quote-unquote amusing parks, it's that you need to be smart about it. Like, you just can't throw it in somewhere and be like, welcome to our themed attraction. No. Gotta do some work on it. So, uh, the big, the big, uh, um, probably the best explanation is like, look at Steel Vengeance. You have a themed area, you have multiple attractions, you have this concept, Fantastic. Um, as a, but Banshee probably could have been built without any of that and just been as well received. But like it, it depends. But I, I guess that what it come, that's what it comes down to. Do you have something that can tie everything together a little bit better than just one piece of ribbon? Like if you're looking at, again, Orion, well, you have the car outside of – you know, area 72, that that's a whole new car. That was just, that's, that's whole new this year. And then you have the new food area and then you have the new concept of flight of fear. And then you have Orion, like all that ties in. Hell yeah. Let's do it. That may, that elevates everything. But if it, if Orion was built, let's say, you know, they tore out, um, face off and built it over there and they put the same theme in, yeah, no, it wouldn't have been as important. So there's a, I guess we can say there's a certain level that the theming has to get to in order to be effective. I would say the level needs to be, it needs to be a theme. And by theme, I mean it needs to be something consistent across multiple mediums. How about that? So I think, I think 
I think we have achieved what we wanted to achieve with this conversation, which is to meet in the middle. Yes. Because I think we can agree that a ride like Banshee, which just has random themed elements to it, is not worth the investment. However, random decorated elements. I will use a different word. Decorations. Um, however, mm-hmm. if you if you put in the effort to go all the way in on the theme, the, the area around it, the full queue area, connecting it to the ride, that is when there's real value. Yes. All right. Well, I think that – I think we have a good – Topic for an article. Yay. (laughs) After we do our Epcot back and forth. Yes, we need to do that. I need to finish that up. (laughs) Maybe tomorrow. Take your time. I am I am here waiting. I am I am here. I am I am here. I'm ready. Fantastic. This could be the start of my big comeback. We a man, you know what? I you know, we need we need that unbuilt Disney attractions stuff done, man. Just looking at my watch right now. Hey, the big comeback. I, I need an excuse, and this Epcot thing is is an excuse enough to get me off my ass. Yes, there we go. Because I I will I will always be willing to write something about Epcot. Fair, very and that fair. Will never change. <laughs> yeah, no, I can't argue with that. It's 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 complicated, and I won't pretend that I know all the answers and. God, I mean, we just discussed this real quick as opposed to people who spend their whole entire lives talking about this and thinking about it and actually designing this this stuff. So whatever they probably they're, they're they're probably jumping and just going like, yeah, that's the point, you dumbasses. Well, that's the that's the idea is try to put ourselves in that position, not not from a fan's position, but from a park owner's position. Yeah is how how much is it really worth it at an amusement park to have a themed roller coaster how much it, how much is it really giving you yeah right and that's a big question and it seems that i like that cedar fair has made from a fan's perspective i like that cedar fair has made the decision to add more theming which is nice mm-hmm. i wish they would do it more on certain roller coasters like diamondback which is just yeah mhm but you know. different different time period, but yeah, yeah, I th- I think that's the that's the key. But it's a Banshee, same thing, um, and I think that you know, I think I think the key is you need to connect the ride with the theming, either either via the extended area so that the ride seems to fit in the extended area and is not a parachute ride. No, not the ride, but the queue. I would argue. Well, I mean, it's it's I, 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 it, it follows like you know, Steel Vengeance, you know, it's big wooden roller coaster fits in Frontier Town. Yes. You know, you don't you don't have to you don't have to have a big leap on that one. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, same thing with Flight of Fear and Orion. Like it's it's in a space themed area, so not a big leap, especially with a giant three hundred foot roller coaster. Which is like okay, space, get it right. Um, and then Volcano was in that little jungle area that King's Dominion had, has. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Still there, I think, kind of. They still have that. Remember when we went to that little jungle burger restaurant? Oh, yes, with Before the Rain. <laughs> yeah, so the jungle, the jungle theming still lives on at King's Dominion. 
even though the whole point of it being there is not there anymore. Mm-hmm. Good times. So, right. Je- so getting Jeff, late. yeah, it's getting late. I need to edit this podcast down and get it up tonight. So, Jeff, mm-hmm. where can people find you online at? Well, I am at Parkscope Jeff on Twitter. Mm-hmm. And hopefully very soon you'll be able to see me on Parkscope again. Um, if you want to email me, I'm at hamgamgy at gmail.com. There you go. Um, that information is available uh, in my articles, the you know top Disney attractions never built articles, which you can see on the far right of the parkscope.net landing page. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you want to email me or, or at me, feel free. Release the latest article. Do it, man. Uh... Epcot first. Epcot always comes first. <laughs> fair point. Fair probably, point. Somewhere in there, I'll probably write an article on, on this conversation. Fair point. Fair point. So you can find me at Parkscope Joe on Twitter. You can find all of us in our articles and other miscellaneous ephemera on Parkscope on Twitter. You can find us at parkscope.net for all of our recordings, articles, and more. Um, I just released an article on uh, the Halloween Horror Nights thing. I'll be doing an article soon on why old Epcot should die. And that is is the article I will be be writing a response to. And um, I will also be uh, writing a finally... My review of of Star Wars Galaxy's Edge soon, hopefully. (laughs) Question mark? I don't know. And we'll figure that all out. So, on behalf of everyone, uh, thank you for listening. Um, It's been a wild night. We started at 8 o'clock. It's currently 1025. So, man, this has been one hell of an episode. Uh, We'll see you guys later. Love Love everybody. Hit everything, Kungaloosh. And we'll see you guys on the flip side, I guess, right? Sound good, Jeff? It sounds harmonious. Oh, no. It's brought back. Uh, Oh, I ended the podcast badly.